0: Well, it's for whatever reason it doesn't like automatically they're like, you want video, right? And it's like, Yeah. And they're like, Okay, well now you have to connect your audio. I'm like, Why? Why shouldn't it be both?
1: <laughs> yeah. Why would I just want video?
0: Yeah. It's so weird. Anyway. Hey, yeah. well, you know. well,
1: Welcome. Thank
0: you. Oh goodness, excuse me. <sighs> Look at your books. I was looking at your books. Those are, yeah, some books. I actually just moved them back there. Most of my interviews are just in front of like a gray wall. And I was yeah. like, I do something a little bit. Yeah, I have a, there we go. Oh, I like it.
1: It's actually a corner. I need to get something on this wall. I'm not really using a lot of the video of me anyway. If I use some of the video, it's not going to be of me. So, sure. um, yeah. How are you? I haven't talked to you in forever. i know you were at the first
0: the wichita yeah the lady laughs though right Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah
0: i mean yeah that i mean so i've been good
1: (laughs) you did you you had your baby there i'm not like you had her on stage but no
0: no 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 yeah i had her she was only what i think maybe like three or four months old at the time she was tiny yeah and i've just Watched
1: her grow up on Facebook, and she is one of the cutest babies ever. Oh, thank you! (laughs) Like, you know, I have friends that share their babies on Facebook, and I'm like, oof, you know, (laughs) she's legit adorable. Like, she looks like she could be a little baby model or something.
0: She's so cute, but she and she's so feisty, yeah. Really? She's talking in full sentences now. And it's hilarious. Like, she's this, she's like, all right. I just, like, um, she, she threw a cup of water in my face yesterday. And I was like, no, we can't. Thank you. Can't do that. You know? And uh, I was like, that's it. You're gonna have to use a sippy cup anymore. And she was like, one more time. And I'm like, no. And she's like, two more times. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how do you know that negotiating joke already? Like, <laughs> how old is she? She's going to be two in May. Oh, wow, yeah. So she's, I don't know, it's it's funny. I didn't expect such feistiness yet. (laughs) My oldest daughter was super
1: advanced. So like at nine months, she was walking and talking like a three-year-old almost. Um, And she was real short. So she was small for her age. So she looked like a six-month-old walking around. Wow. Talking. We used to go through Target my mom worked at Target and she'd be like, grandma, where are you? It's me, Helen Marie. And she was like a year old and it would just freak uh, people out. Yeah. But yeah, she was always so
0: super smart. It's, it's scary when they're that smart.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they like have like a definite personality that young. Mm-hmm. Cause some it's of my so kids smart. did and didn't. Really? Yeah. Like my, especially my baby. He didn't really develop any sort of real personality until about seven, six. Oh, really? I mean, he wasn't, he was smart and everything, but he just wasn't like, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that he'd be like, yep, that's Alex, you know, yeah, right, just, right. just an adorable average little, little, boy, little person. And he just,
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah. But it turns out that he couldn't hear for the first couple years of his life. That's a whole story, but
0: Oh wow! Well, yeah, I guess that'll do it. Yeah,
1: but he was like the fourth kid, so I thought he just wasn't talking because he didn't have to ask because it was one of the other kids were going to ask for water and then he would get some. You know what I mean? So it was like,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: The younger children of that many kids will talk later, but Mm -hmm. it turns out that he just he was talking the way he heard us talking, and which was gibberish. But my older son knew what he was saying was that funny he would interpret for him he's like he wants a pop-tart mom I'm like oh i don't know
0: <laughs> sorry but,
1: <laughs> yeah kids are great yeah. are you are you you gonna have any more you-
0: yeah yeah we, we hope to yeah. um yeah we're kind of just waiting the. To- I don't know right now it's like finances and all that stuff is just like crazy and up in the air and
1: now would not be an optimal time to decide to have more children no.
0: although
1: yeah. it'd be an optimal time to to do it or make it now yeah right oh, yeah. right
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah no exactly it's, I mean it's funny because you know our first one was such a surprise that now it's this weird like when are we ever gonna be ready? We weren't ready with the first one and we were here, but what do we um, I don't know. yeah it's, it's a
1: one to two wasn't that hard uh-huh. um, Two to three was a huge shift because you were outnumbered. Yeah, at that point. And oh. then really three to four wasn't that big a deal. Oh, because you're already... Yeah, you're already in it. It's like, what's one more, you know? (laughs) It actually was helpful to have a fourth one because then he kept, you know, we had like this set and this set to play with each, because I had the girls and the boys, but two to three was like a real big adjustment.
0: That's how I feel like it would be. So I I only have one sister, but my husband, he came with four. Uh, He's got three younger brothers. And I feel like it's like, you got to kind of keep it even numbers can't have that one kid out
1: yeah
0: yeah I mean I love all my children but
1: I really only wanted one I wanted a boy oh and what, but then wait how'd you end up with four well I had a girl mm-hmm. and then um I had another girl and I was real upset when they told me it was a girl because I thought if it's a girl and a boy I can be done yeah um so when the lady, you know, doing the sonogram told me it was a girl, I lost it and I started crying my mom was comforting me and the lady was like, but she's healthy. Yeah. And i like, ah. and, um, then, and then I switched fathers, not for that purpose, but it happened. Right. Um, yeah. And then my third one was a boy and the their dad's, their grandfather on their dad's side had done their lineage back and Wilson men don't have girls. Uh, There's been like generations and generations, there just aren't any girls. There was one which was his aunt who was a very masculine woman and they think grandma might've messed around. So, um, but men just don't have girls. And so I was as guaranteed to have a boy, the fourth one as I could be. Yeah, that's the only reason I had the fourth one was because I had the girls and I wanted the boys. Yeah, I, don't know. I was like twenty three. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying these were good decisions or good reasons to have children, but that's why I did it. But that's what it made sense at the time, you know. <laughs> I got pregnant with my first one on purpose at eighteen because I really needed to go to therapy. Is what I needed, but I always I thought if I had a kid. That I would never be alone and that I would always have someone to love me. Wow. Yeah. Great reason to have a baby, Helen. Oh, boy. Perfect plan. (laughs) (laughs) But it all worked out. I had a and now I'm, you know, they're grown and I'm, I wouldn't have done anything good with my youth. So
0: Mm
1: -hmm. there you go. Chase babies around. I miss babies. I love babies. That's fun. Like when they're first born, and you're with them at night, in the middle of the night, and it's just you and them. And mm-hmm. I really liked breastfeeding. Oh, I, really? I didn't really get to do it very much, except for my third one, um, uh-huh. just for various reasons. It yeah, didn't work out. Not
0: my third one. My my second one.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, just
0: It's a lot harder than people give it credit for. It, it's is a struggle. And I, I never.
1: It has to do with the baby.
0: Yeah. Well, my, my supply never really picked up. It was like a struggle all the way through. Yeah. And, um, so we had a supplement with formula. And then about at eight months, it was like, I've got nothing. I'm out. So yeah. Yeah.
1: the first one, they gave me the depot shot before I left the hospital. And they were supposed mm-hmm. to wait till my six-week checkup. So um, my milk never really came in. And when I went back to work, it just dried up. Um, yeah. The second one, I was able to take off for three months and have maternity leave, and then mm-hmm. I went back to work, and I was pumping, so she was primarily breast milk for another month, and then um, I was barely keeping up with her, though. Right. pumping today for what she was eating tomorrow, and it was like this pressure, yeah. pump, 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 yeah. and... Um, and then I spilled eight ounces one day while I was working. Oh, no. And she wasn't wanting me. I was only actually nursing her at night. Um, and then she just didn't want me anymore. Because once they get the bottle, yeah, right. it comes out so much faster. So I was just fighting with her at 3 o'clock in the morning to feed her. And I was like, you know what? Forget it. And so she went to formula. And then the third one was 11 and 5 And he was just so hungry all the time and it was like constantly on me and i had a four-year-old and a two-year-old i was home with and i couldn't just be latched onto this baby all the time and so oh. we ended up putting him on formula pretty quickly and then the fourth one i was all gung-ho i was gonna because i was all religious and i was gonna stay home and be a stay-at-home mom and i had all these maternity clothes or breastfeeding clothes and i was gonna breastfeed him for a year and mm. i was ready to go and then um i got sick and almost died after our, like after I had him um, ah. from an E. coli infection. And um, so I couldn't, so I had to throw my milk away, you know, um, I pumped it in the hospital, I had to throw it away. And then he just never wanted, you know, he had, he always mm-hmm. got the bottle. And my milk never came in right. And yeah. I remember feeding him the bottle though, like the formula and just crying because I felt, I felt like I was feeding my baby poison. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know i felt like a failure i felt like you know i've let this baby down before it even started it was not my
0: fault but you know right i know i know exactly the same because i wrestled with the same thing when like because it was around i think it was about four months that we started giving her formula too and then around eight months that we just stopped breastfeeding all together and like oh my gosh i was so torn up about it because I was like, no, I'm supposed to be doing this and you know oh, better for the baby. The best is best, you know? <laughs> I thought, but just it never I just never really had a spot. And she was so skinny for those like first yeah, she's always like, tiny. Yeah, yeah. The ones we once we started giving her formula, it was like, oh my gosh, now she's got little baby thighs and yes. stuff. <laughs> like, Thank God. When I my third one, what made me
1: quit with him is that you know, I was I was feeding him, and I looked down, and there's like milk blood dripping down his face because my nipple is open, oh. just bleeding. And I was like, I can't. My baby's literally sucking my blood along with my milk, and that was just like too much. And so I was really religious at the time, and I went, you know, I I was going to church, and I was, this is the third one, this is before the, the fourth one, so I'm feeding him a bottle, and this church lady was all like, Oh, you're not you're not breastfeeding anymore. You know, he's like six weeks old. And I was like, no, I explained to her the blood and all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, I had that problem too, but I worked through it. And And so it made me feel like total shit. Um, like I failed my baby, but he was hungry, man. Yeah. He was hungry. He didn't sleep he just wanted to eat, but he was so big. He was like a three month old when he was born. He's 11 and a half pounds and 23 inches long. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Plus, like I said, I had my daughters that were four and two. Mm-mm. They were Yeah. running amok because I couldn't, like the last month of my pregnancy, I couldn't get up off the couch and get them.
0: Oh no. Yeah. And they
1: knew it. And so one day they got chocolate pudding, and we're just drawing on the walls with it in the dining room, just laughing at me because I'm like, get, I'm gonna. My, uh, my husband at the time, he would barricade me, he would barricade us into the living room so they couldn't get anywhere else in the house, bring in their, brought in their little potty, you know, so they could go potty. And um, I had a basket full of like bean babies and like small stuffed animals. Mm -hmm. They would fight or like my oldest liked to try to climb the gate, no the entertainment center um I would just uh, chuck a chuck a stuffed animal at him and bing him like stop it (laughs) (laughs) that was like the only solution I had because I mean I could get up off the couch but it was a lot of work that last month and my hips would just go out of socket while I was walking I just like swayed yeah I believe I had a fourth one after that yeah I'm surprised too yeah. Oh, my God. 15 yeah. years later. I should have been, a, I'm saying, I always say I should have been a Mormon or a Catholic. to <laughs> waste of a breeder in me because yeah. I could have popped a baby out every year. I had pretty easy pregnancies. My kidneys can't function for babies, turns out. But otherwise, I had easy pregnancies. I had fairly easy deliveries with no complications for the most yeah. part. And I just pushed them right out. Um, yeah, I could have popped a baby out every year. Yeah. Kept, kept going. Oh my God, nineteen and counting. Um, yeah, so but, what a different life you could have been. <laughs> I've had. I feel like I've lived more multiple lives. Yeah, because I feel like like I had my childhood, and then like my high school years were a whole different me, mm. you know? and then I was a mom, and even like through my stages of being a mom, I was like a church lady, and then I went yeah. to atheist for a little while, and then. Mm. I swung back around to somewhere in the middle and now I'm a comedian. So yeah. like every five years my life, I have a different life.
0: Yeah. A different personality, different life. That's kind of fun though. That's cool. It and it makes it easy for you to relate to a, a you know, a whole set of people. Yeah. Like-
1: it's great for material. I got kid material. I got slut material. I got dating material. I got, you know, I want a relationship material. I got all sorts of, pers- I got uh-huh. religious perspectives. I got all sorts of perspectives I can yeah. write about. So
0: like what. <laughs> Which one are you getting hired for? Okay, I'll pull those jokes out and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it is good. I really want to write more like corporate jokes. I want to get into the corporate. I know that's that's the that's the that's where the money's at. And it's so I, yeah. easy. And yeah. like you get to either buffet and right. You get five hundred
1: dollars for doing thirty minutes at mm-hmm. noon on a Saturday. You know, you don't have to be up late. Yeah, I know. You know. Most people are sober. <laughs> you know, you don't get oh. to drunk hecklers. <laughs> people are like, drink, it'll help. I'm like, I don't think so. I think I like, I like performing to sober people.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because drunk people interrupt you big time. Oh yeah, and they they, get, they laugh too hard and too long. Yeah. <laughs> They're <awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> They laugh like during your setups. You're like, nope, didn't get there. Yet. Yeah, okay. Or their like laugh is like so delayed. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> and then they're get with the I, program. I had the weirdest the the weirdest drunk people. Well, I mean, not probably not the weirdest. I've had, I've had several like weird drunk people encounters while on stage, but one of them I'll never forget was um, these two like right up in the front row. It was two girls and a guy, and the two girls were just like wasted, and they started fighting and and like I you know I was like what okay what, what can I help you you know like I'm on stage actually just hosting the show too so but I was just like what what's what's going on here you guys are fighting and basically what had what they revealed was that um these two girls made their uber driver come in with them like they he didn't know them at all and they were just like wasted and he was like I'm I don't know what I'm doing here. Like you, t- you like the two girls were cute and he just wanted to join them. And then he, it was like more than he could handle. And they were like drunk and fighting. And, and he was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Can I, should I just go? I don't know. And I was like, no, you, you guys should stay because this is, this is very interesting. Like yeah. you, you should leave. And like, that's, I know what happening is they got, they got so rowdy, rowdy that the um, manager had to like pull the two girls out and then the Uber driver just stayed the rest of the show. That's good. Like, Without okay.
1: Action. Yeah, drunk, drunk girls. <sighs> yeah. The um, they are the worst, especially like as a female comedian, because a lot of the jokes I have, they relate to. Yeah, and they have stories too about shitty boyfriends, you know. And they're like, "Oh yeah, I get it, girl," you know. Yeah. And they're just like, "I'm like, I'm so happy you're supporting me, but will you please shut the fuck up,
0: okay?" Like, the supportive, uh, the supportive heckle is is sometimes almost worse than the mean ones because the mean ones, it's like, cool, I can be mean to you back. I can, yeah. you know, make a joke at your expense. And go from there, but when someone, because I, I get a lot too where it's like, they'll be like, I know exactly how you feel, and yeah, that's, you know, and they'll, they'll be very, like, supportive and nice to you as they're heckling you, but you're like, but that's still an interruption, and also very annoying, and like, you can just laugh, you don't have to bring
1: it. Like a- they and they're like, she's did that happen to her, and they're pointing at their embarrassed friend.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: She had a shitty boyfriend just like that, mm-hmm. and their friend was like, "I'm so
0: sorry." That's my
1: <laughs> Sue. It's you. It's you. You know.
0: Yeah, and then like all the everyone's looking at Sue, like, "No, oh.
1: like, no, look at me, look at me." That's <laughs> what I I have the microphone, but she's not on stage. <laughs> it happens a lot at like the comedy club in Wichita. Oh yeah. I mean, I've been there to watch shows, and I've been there, you know, and then. The male comedians will make fun of those women and shut them down.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: really, I really hate doing that because they they are connecting
0: with me in my material. So I hate to be mean to them. Yeah, that's how, that's how I am too. I, I've yet to really master what what to say in that situation, you know, like, because it's it's true. It's like, wow, I'm so happy you're relating. I'm so happy you're you're enjoying this so much and you're on board, but I also don't, you're distracting and I don't know what to. not helping, honey. Yeah, no. no. hmm
1: Yeah. Just, I don't know, tell them where to go to find an open mic so they can get up there and say their own shit.
0: Yeah. It was good when I was in Los Angeles. I used to uh, do a lot of shows at the comedy club Flappers. Mm-hmm. And I also hosted an open mic there too every Tuesday. Yeah. So that was like the easy direction where it's mm-hmm. like, Great. Okay. I host an open mic on Tuesdays. Come check me out there. You're so funny. Come check me out on Tuesdays. Stop, stop talking now. Don't talk anymore now.
1: (laughs) So when did you, how long have you been doing comedy?
0: Oh my gosh. I have been doing comedies probably about seven
1: years. Yeah. Seven years. How'd How'd you get into it? What was your, what's your origin
0: story? Yeah. Well, so I started out, um, well, I live in Ohio, and I grew up in Ohio, and I knew I wanted to pursue film production. So I moved out to Los Angeles with the entire purpose of uh, pursuing film production, and when I got there, I, uh, I was doing mostly production assistant jobs on, on different sets, which is not very creative at all, and uh, you're pretty much at, you know, it's the lowest of the totem pole, so you're just getting bossed around by everybody, and like, and, you know, it's, it's a great starter position, but, um, I had been doing, I had been working in film production out here in Ohio too on, on, you know, the films that came out here. So I wasn't necessarily starting from scratch, but I had to start all over once I moved out to LA. So, um, after a while doing that, I was like, I, I got to find something else, like something creative, some sort of outlet, um... And I also didn't know many many people in Los Angeles, so I started taking classes at the Second City uh, Training Center out there in Hollywood, and um, which is kind of like the community college branch of Chicago Second City. <laughs> but yeah, um, I started taking classes there, and you know, started meeting people and and was doing improv, and, and really like I really loved it and was connecting to it, but. Um, after going through so long in the program, I think I was in the program, maybe like two years or so. Uh, I kind of was like, okay, well, I, I say like, I made it all the way up to, um, the final class in the conservatory program. And at that final class, you have to audition to get in to the last thing. So I spent like, you know, two years and, and thousands of dollars only to not get into that final class. Yeah. And you can re audition and keep going, but at that point I was like, What am I like I'm what am I doing? Like I, what what can I do that's alone and also well like that's free and, and alone because improv you're relying on on the heckler might be your friend in improv. <laughs> like, yeah. Might be the person you're working with in improv. Like you have no it, it's it's a lot of fun if you're good at it, but it, it's also very frustrating at times too. And I found it often than so, cause I was like, oh, I've got this great storyline in my own head of this sketch. And then someone throws in something like a left field. I'm like, oh, no, okay. nothing." yeah I don't know what to say now you messed up my plot that was in my head (laughs) so I really wanted to start trying something that was alone and also free and that's what led me to stand-up comedy and it's so funny because once I started that I was like oh yes this makes so much more sense for my personality like I control what I'm saying you know for the most part I control where I get booked like it's it's you know, and it's immediate. Whereas film production is, it takes years to, to get anything done in film yeah. production. And you
1: can, but. In, with like film production, you can put all this work into a film and then nothing happened to, you know what I mean? Then it gets yeah. shut down or it never
0: fully gets made. Yeah. Right. Like, and if you, if you want to actually like make, like if you're a screenwriter and you want to like write and direct and produce and stuff like it it takes so much time and money to to actually get those things made um i know so many people who you know sold their houses in order to get the money to to make their film or you know i mean borrowed money from every friend every kickstarter every imagine if i was addicted to like screenwriting and filmmaking like I stand-up I know how expensive stand-up's been for me. Oh yeah, it's been, it's stand-up is expensive too in its own way for but sure, It's but not, not as much as, I mean film, it and that's only if you decide to make it yourself. If if you decide, if like if you're just a screenwriter, like then you're just writing your scripts and then hoping someone gets it, you know, <laughs> someone finds it and decides to make it and I mean there's a, it's.
1: I'm such a control freak. I
0: think if I wrote I wrote a
1: screenplay and I also use my personal life. So it'd be a very personal, there'd be personal yeah. stories in it. I would have trouble just selling it to somebody and letting them because they could manipulate it into whatever they want.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. The screenwriter's job is done once they start shooting in theory. And that's, that's mm-hmm. very hard. I think that's why we see a lot more like writer director types, especially yeah. now. Yeah. And
1: I was actually going to start some classes in the fall at the film school here. Oh yeah, for producing and <laughs> screenwriting. Um, we'll see now. I don't know if I'm gonna have the money. <laughs> yeah. So, I
0: mean, I still love the film industry, and actually, I still do social media for the film production company I was working for out in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I still do it just because I enjoy still being connected to the film industry in some way. Plus, it's also it's essentially joke writing. It's just quick every social media post is just a quick little blurb that you put out into the world immediately. So it's very similar to stand up in that way.
1: I grew up watching a lot of TV and a lot of uh, movies. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of what my family did together. We didn't really play board games or have sports or any of that. My dad traveled a lot and he would come home with VHS tapes that he'd recorded movies from the hotels, you know, Oh, how cool vcr so we got all these shows that were on hbo and stuff and all these movies and so it was always a big part of my family and so we have like family movies that me and my kids have um like blazing saddles which i let them watch way too young yes um things like that lots of 80s mel brooks
0: oh yeah my mom i always remember she my parents were always so funny with With what they allowed me to watch. And (laughs) I think that's kind of what drew me into comedy a little bit because dramas and stuff like I I remember I wasn't allowed to see Titanic like that was no way. Oh, no, that that looks too risky. I don't think so too violent. I don't know. We're not allowing you to see it. Life my pythons life of Brian. Sure. Go ahead, watch it. And I'm like, what? There's way more, way more nudity in Monty Python's Life of Brian than there ever is in Titanic. It's ridiculous. Yeah,
1: I was actually more concerned as a parent about exposing my children to too much violence than I was sexual.
0: Yeah.
1: Situation or the naked body necessarily. I didn't ma- I didn't want to watch sexual situations, but if mm-hmm. it was just a matter of someone being nude,
0: naked or whatever. Yeah.
1: It didn't really bother me. Um, mm-hmm but sitting there watching a very violent gory film with my children made me very uncomfortable um, more than nudity did Mm -hmm. um although violence is natural part of human
0: existence too Um, right yeah i just i don't know i was well it is but it's also like Violence, I think, just stays with you longer. At least for me, you know that that feeling of watching something violent it it, it hurts you to see too. I, I don't yeah, know. I was
1: worried about like desensitizing them to violence. I didn't want yeah, them yeah. to be desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. So, but then they started playing video games because of their dad,
0: especially my boys. And right. that's a whole other whole other battle. Thing
1: grand theft auto when he was three i didn't know that he was obsessed with guns and he only wore camouflage for a little while he's got asperger's and we didn't know uh, that. but he got really obsessed with guns and he would only wear camouflage mm-hmm. underwear shirt pajamas anything he wore it had to be camouflage um which was cute for a minute i thought maybe he'll go into the military um yeah. turn into a crazy guy up in the mountains with a militia i don't know but um then he got out of his car seat and was pointing his little green handgun at a police car next to us oh my god um so there's many things wrong with this situation because he could get out of it you know yeah um then i took his gun and i broke it in half and i threw all of his guns away and i was like that's it and i was like why do you think the cops are the bad guys and he's like because those they're the bad guys in in Grand the team oh. I with dad. And then that's when I found out he was playing Grand Theft Auto. Oh wow. With his three year old. And I was like so mad. But Oh no. So I didn't allow I didn't allow them to own the toy guns after that.
0: No way. Well no, you can't like, once yeah. once one of your kids is so obsessed yeah. with it. Like Yeah. yeah. But he's not mm-hmm. a video game problem. He's nineteen
1: now. He's getting it under control, but he still he plays way too many video games. And yeah. he's so angry while he does it, it doesn't even look like he's having fun. <laughs> like right? why are you doing that? You're screaming, you're yelling, you're so mad. It doesn't seem fun, but
0: what I don't understand is uh my and somewhere there's a stand-up joke that I'm gonna write out of this, but my, my husband like will watch like Twitch and stuff like that. So he'll watch other people play video games and I'm like, what fun is that? Like I don't understand. Why you want to just watch other people play video games?
1: Mm-hmm. I, mean,
0: I also don't watch sports either. He doesn't either, but it's like, I guess that's the, you know, like I had exes who loved watching sports and they'd get so riled up and be like, oh my God, my team. oh I can't believe we missed that. And I'm like, no, we did not do anything. Mm-hmm. We are on the couch watching this. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. What I like, I, that's just a whole mentality that I don't understand. I'm like, I, I don't understand it either. I don't. I don't know. I don't get it either. But
1: um, I did actually try out for improv. Um, mm. and I want to take some classes just to kind of work that different part of my brain. But the two times I was funniest during the tryouts when I was up there by myself, we did a game where we just like you build on the last person's story, you know, kind of like that um, mm-hmm. you were supposed to be given like a TED talk type thing and you built on the last person's story. And I did really well there um and there was another time i did well i can't remember what exactly this the game was but it
0: was also by yourself
1: yeah if i'm up there with a group of people i will actually back out i will just let them do it um um i'll just be like you're funnier than me go on <laughs> or i'll start thinking like you're saying like i'll have like oh i have something really good in my head and i'm just waiting till i can get in but by the time i can get in
0: it's already it's over. something
1: else and it's over Mm-hmm. and so yeah it's not it's definitely probably not my it's not for me but I think that there is a benefit to to exercising that side of my brain be more because I'm just not so structured I want to yeah. get more you know I've, I've gotten more relaxed I've worked my way to do it I just I've just been going up and not preparing what I'm going to do at Mike's a lot mm-hmm. um I'm just kind of get- knowing how I'm going to get in and how I'm, and then that's it and then if I have like a 10 or a 15 minute, anything 20 or under, I don't really plan it. I just, um, know how I'm going to get in. I know how I'm going to get out. So I know the basic premise yeah. of my jokes. So I know like I'm going to tell my dating jokes right? you know, I mean, I know my jokes well enough and I just kind of let them flow um, yeah. together naturally. And then I'll say things that I never, you know, kind of writing on stage cause I'll say things that just come to my head, which sometimes isn't as Sometimes it isn't great because sometimes I think real, real dark stuff. No,
0: no. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah.
1: That, that I write like at home, I'll be like, no, I can't say that on stage. Right. for you're
0: in <laughs> the moment, you're like, yeah, this is funny to me. And then it's like, oh, oh sorry. Too dark. Did I kill? Like, the moon. Okay.
1: You made some joke about, because well, the, the, the lady hosting the show works at Planned Parenthood and she had had some jokes about that and abortion and stuff. And I made some joke about it just being, like, something about getting scraped out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And it's like, I shocked myself when I said it. Mm. And I, because I was kind of looking down when I said it. And I looked up. And I was like, okay, well, anyway, let's get to some regular jokes, all right? Yeah. I was just like, whoa, I did not mean to say that. I mean, they laughed, but they were also like...
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I once had... I did a comedy festival where the camera operator passed out on stage, oh. and so I'm still, I'm just like stuck on stage. This like camera operator is like on the ground. We don't know what's happening. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm the one who obviously I saw, I saw him like swaying first, and so I immediately was like, okay, call nine one one. This something's going down, and they collapsed. and then I was just left up there narrating everything that was going on of like I uh I hear sirens and uh and but I always remember <laughs> I said like wow I guess I'm really killing up here and they said oh my god nope that was too but so, like, he's literally like laying collapsed on the floor and I'm like oh, I should not have said that I can't believe I just said that I'm so sorry I make jokes I'm a nervous I'm a comedian and I was like yeah. rambled <laughs> he ended up being fine he was yeah. fine he it was like an outdoor festival and yeah Um, smoke too much and drink no water and collapse but like yeah i just like it's like yeah when comedians sometimes when we're left to our own devices we will go for that darkest joke that's yeah that's just where my
1: i try to write clean Mm -hmm. and my jokes end up going anytime i try to think of it and try to write clean that joke ends up darker and grosser than anything i've ever written right yeah so I really want to write cleaner, but
0: I do too. And it's fine. Cause I always think I'm clean. And then I get to it on a show that they say is clean and I'm like, totally, totally. And then I get there and I'm like, Oh no, I'm not. Nope. I did a show that was, uh, there was, it was another like a festival and there was literally a ball pit of children behind me. Oh God. I was like, Oh no, I'm not. Nope. Not that clean. Did not i it never
1: be small children clean you know what i
0: mean yeah i did that i did that same it's called the ingenuity festival and it was like a bunch of art mixed with comedy and bands and like all sorts of stuff and and they ended up moving the ball pit the second year <laughs> thank god because i was like this is no i don't, I don't even know what to That's talk about
1: church clean if you're gonna talk front <sighs> to kind of toddlers i had I, I did a show at a brewery here when i first moved here that These people brought in, it was nine o'clock. It was at a brewery on a Saturday night and they brought in their like their kid was like six or seven probably. Mm -hmm. Um and they walked in right as I was uh the person before me was doing their set and they warned them that they were doing a comedy show and they were like, Yeah, it's fine. And um, and so when I went up there, I was like, you know, you said it was fine so I'm going to do the material I was planning to do. And if your kid goes home saying the word vagina or what, I don't remember what the <laughs> word,
0: I don't remember what the word yeah.
1: was. I, I said, don't come blaming me. And they let their kid just wander around. And he was like five feet from the stage at some point while I was talking. And um, God. it threw me off. And so I was supposed to do I was supposed to do like 20 minutes and 10 minutes in somehow I did my closer. And then I had to like, just for the last 10 minutes, kind of like, I, yeah, I was just flailing. Yeah. Um, but they said that you couldn't tell that I was flailing, but I was flailing inside. Uh, Cause yeah. I, I didn't even mean to say my closer. It just, I wanted off stage is what it was. I wanted it to be over,
0: <laughs> but yeah.
1: I was to do my 20
0: minutes. Damn it.
1: And right. I did it. You,
0: have to. you when you're booked for that amount of time you got to just keep going and and it's, yeah but when there's a kid and you're not expecting kids to be in the audience it's like
1: ugh. i mean because you there's always a chance when
0: there's breweries but mm-hmm. in that late at night and they were both drinking and then and then up on the, like approaching the stage like that too it's not even like the kid and the family was it's, in the back or something is.
1: yeah no yeah they have and like I was like are they I was just like are they gonna drive those kids home I just watched them each ah. drink like four or five beers each and wow. now they're gonna drive their children home i like why are you here you know what I mean like yeah. I had kids you know what I did I stayed
0: home for years yeah hey okay? <laughs> dude sorry you don't get you were gonna be out I had to stay home why
1: <laughs> yeah I stayed home. You can stay home too. Go home. Drink some beer at home. Shut up. Anyway, but um, so we're here for the Art of Comedy podcast. Um, the you've been part of the first festival. The second festival is Art of Female Comedy Festival, and then this year is also Art of Female. You're on. Are you on this festival? Yes, I am. You are. Yeah. I don't know. I just sent everything out. I don't have. There's a Fair. lot because it's four days and it's in Denver. So there's a, there's like. Twice as many comedians as there was last year in Wichita. Mm. So there's also going to be a couple sketch uh, groups. Oh, cool! And an improv group that's two or three women from I think Chicago. And then there's also a film that I gotta look up the name of so when I talk about it. But it's a kind of a dark comedy, but it's written and produced by a short film by women, um, starring a woman. So um, hopefully that all gets to happen. <laughs> I'm some days I'm like, yeah, sure, things will be fine by mid July. And then some days, I'm like, it's never, ever we'll going to be. Go here. back. I know, I know, right? We'll never, we'll be here forever. It's gonna, the The, the festival will happen eventually.
0: Yes. Whether I have
1: to postpone it or just do it next year. <sighs> I feel like all of this is my
0: fault because I was like, 2020 is gonna be my year. We all said that, though. That's everyone I know was like, myself included, was like 2020. This is going to be the year. And then it's it's been like just absolutely. My youngest graduates high school this year. So I'm like officially kind of free.
1: And yeah. I was like, it's going to be my year. Maybe it's going to be 2021. 2021. That's where it's going to be our year. Sounds <laughs> <I'm> good. Um... <laughs> I don't know. But uh so it's gonna be fun. But the 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 fundraiser or the festival is now a fundraiser for the nonprofit art of comedy, which um, we're going to give scholarships and pay for classes for people to go to comedy and improv classes, starting with women, um, like sexual assault survivors, domestic abuse survivors. I want to get with those programs. I'd like to eventually get into prisons somehow. It's like a dream of mine. Um I don't teach comedy but I have so I have to find people to teach comedy. I don't really think um I'm not I mean maybe in a few years I could teach but I'm certainly in no position to teach comedy too much mm-hmm. right now. Um I mean I can I give advice. I have lots of comedy babies that are young, 20 somethings yeah. that call me their comedy mom. I'm like I'd rather be uh, your cool aunt or something but yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just starting with women and then into the LGBTQIA community and troubled youth, um, just for the benefits of comedy. Um, cause I, th- you know, there's a lot of benefits. So like, just kind of like how, how, you know, how has comedy helped you? I guess is the question, whether you had trauma or haven't had trauma or wrote about it or didn't write about it, but just as a woman, you know, like,
0: why? sorry. It was okay. No, I mean, comedy, it's, it's, it's really amazing. It, it, it helps so much. It helps. I, I don't talk about all my experiences on stage and maybe one day I will. I think it's kind of similar to what we're joking about where sometimes I'll, I'll like, yeah, I'm going to talk. And then it's like, too dark, too dark, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it really, it, by being able to laugh at your experiences in life, I think it, it sort of, it, it takes away, um, the seriousness of it, you know, it's, it's that, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her name right now. Princess Leia, what's Carrie Fisher, the yeah. Carrie Fisher quote, where it's like, if my life wasn't funny, it would just be true. And I can't have that, you know, yeah. where it's true. It's like, we have to have that, like, looking at it from almost the perspective, a third person perspective where it's like, well, this is funny. This can also be funny. Yes. You know, life is hard. It's difficult. There's, you know, just disastrous things, things that we're going through right now, things I've gone through in the past, things that we're worried about are going to go through in the future. And to just sort of be able to collect all of that and be like, all right, now what can I, what can I pull from this to just, just laugh at and make fun of? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it just helps. Um, life. It, it makes life easier.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's what comedy has done so much for me. And I'm like one of the. Like I don't have. I have no negative feelings towards comedy. Um, yeah. I, I. obviously have some negative feelings towards some humans that I've dealt with in comedy, but I don't look comedy for that. Right. Um, but as it, the art form of comedy, because it's it is an art form. And, um. I. I have no. I have nothing but love for the art form of comedy, and and really um, see nothing but good things that it's done for me. You know, Mm. and I think that it's just retrained my brain to think in a different way.
0: Mm. I think too, especially there are I I faced this before a lot where when you say you have like the art of female comedy festival or whatever, you get a lot of pushback from men who, you know, are like, well, there's no art of male comedy or what, you know, they aren't allowed to have that space. And it's like, okay, sorry. What, you know, like, but most, it's mostly populated by men. Yeah. And so there is something so, and I guess it's because mainstream comedy is so focused towards men. Um, You know, it's getting better, but for the most part, it's it's focused for men that by having the space um, to just all women and and laughing with, about things that are just things that are female and and funny and and you know it's just it's very free that was one of my first my first open mic that I ever did it was me and and a friend from second city um, she had done stand up before i had i'd never done stand up before and it was just the two of us and all these guys, primarily older guys. And, you know, they laughed at what we we're saying, you know, and, um, they, but they didn't seem to really get it. And then I also remember getting heckled of like <laughs> this one guy shouted out, like, I don't understand you're doing comedy. You're pretty. And it's like, okay, thanks. You know, like, it uh, <laughs> yeah. looked like a friend who had been doing comedy for a while. She, like, shouted out, like, because we all went to middle school and we weren't always pretty. And, you know, she shout out something to him. I, I was like, thanks. Because I really was like, I don't know how to respond. This is my first open mic ever. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things where I I then went to, um there's a comedy club in L- LA, uh, the Dow Comedy School now comedy studios what it's officially called and it's they have a, a female only open mic and that was the only place after that like that was the only place i would i would perform at for a long time until i felt comfortable breaking out into other audiences yeah it's just i don't know it was just a safety thing it was like a, a physical safety thing an emotional safety thing it's it's and then also just it was nice having a whole audience that related to my experience yeah Even if, even if my jokes didn't quite relate or, you know, my life wasn't quite similar to everyone in the room. It's like, we were all there because we have this one thing in common. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of...
1: When I was posting for the first festival, the one you were on two years ago or whatever, um, to get people to submit to that, I got a lot of crap from comedians in the different scenes. Um, and then last year I got a little bit of crap, it was less. And then this year I barely got, I got like maybe two comments. So I can see it getting better to yeah. where at least they don't feel comfortable saying it. Um, they're probably still thinking it, but they're at least keeping your mouth shut now. Um,
0: which, is, but, which is a step in the right direction. They don't yeah, have to- think.
1: whatever. I don't care, think it if you want. Yeah. still want to hear it. You can, you're free to think whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but I was, my response is always, we'll do it then. No one's stopping you from having yeah. an all-male. Yeah. The art of male comedy. Do it. Go right ahead. See if you can, people really want to buy tickets to that.
0: Because I. That's true. That's a great, yeah, that's a great response because it's true. It's like, there's nothing. Yeah, go for it. There's nothing against the law. Yeah. It's, um,
1: it's not against the law. It's uh, it's It's just like when you're trying out for an acting role and stuff like that. You want a female for your acting role it's the same thing is there's nothing against the law about having an all-female comedy show um and the thing is too is like i've always tried to include non-binary people because there's no real space for them um and so there's been a lot of comments about that like you know or if i put on a dress and say i'm trans can i be in your festival and i just got to the point where i was like you're welcome to submit (laughs) yeah go ahead I'm not gonna nothing's stopping you from submitting I'll take your submission fee no problem yeah because more than likely they're not funny yeah I I bet anybody that's ever commented like that is not somebody I'd want on my festival even if I did have men so like no you have plenty of space yeah you know there I know there's more of you I mean I know I know that like if I were like a cisgendered, straight, white male, Mm -hmm. the amount of confidence you'd have to have to think that you're going to be special compared to the hundreds and thousands of straight, cisgendered white males doing comedy. Yeah. Like, how's your voice different? What do you have to add to the conversation? Right. You know, um, it just gets... Mm. And usually,
0: yeah, and the ones, and you're right, like the ones that feel the need to comment and, and, you know, they're the ones who feel like we're taking something away from them by having this comedy festival, they're having one less space to perform. And it's like, no, probably you have one less space to perform because you're not funny enough and you're not different enough and you haven't worked hard enough to establish your own voice. And so that's why you are finding less spaces to work at. It's not because we are also having this comedy festival that only allows women. Yeah. <laughs> in. Yeah,
1: the first year it was pretty bad. It was, there was a
0: lot, there was a lot and a lot and a lot. Um, I find that so much with, with smaller, smaller towns, because I, I kind of did the opposite, I was like I said, I'm back in Ohio. I did the opposite where I started in a big city and moved back to a small city. <laughs> so I started doing comedy in Los Angeles, moved back to Cleveland area. Um, and when like i said my my i had like a club that was all women only out there in la and that was sort of my safety place and of course i was performing all over in different places by by the time i left but that was still kind of like my little safety home and so i posted when i first moved back in the the comedy club facebook groups out here like hey you know i'm just moving back to the area i haven't done comedy out here does anybody know you know what open mics I should check out specifically ones that are female friendly. And like, I got a lot of people like commenting on that and being like, Oh, like what you're scared of before or what? And like, I don't know, just a lot of pushback. And, and I was like, no, I just want to know which mic I'm safe to go to and can walk alone to my car afterwards. You know, like which one, which one is like physically safe for me as a female to attend because not every mic is. Yeah. one do you recommend me go to and that like oh man I just always remember that because I I got so mad I was like really wow we haven't you know Cleveland hadn't caught up yet to I
1: can't understand how you'd want to be you might want to be safe and as a woman might be less safe like I yeah Yeah. it's not even about whether the comedians are gonna harm you like what neighborhood are they in what kind of people are in the bar like Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah and and As I've come to realize now that I've, because I've been here about two years and what I've realized is that Cleveland is such a small, Ohio itself, Northeast Ohio, it's such a small group of comedians. There really is like a lot of comedians are on each other's shows constantly. They all pretty much know each other. There's a Cleveland comedy awards that they host every year. That's like Cleveland and Akron and stuff. and, And it's just the comedians celebrating themselves. I mean, there's no LA comedian comedy awards you could never do that because it's so huge and it's so saturated and i would imagine denver is is probably pretty similar where there's a lot more comedians they
1: had awards a couple years ago that were serious awards like um because we have like we have like christmas like a christmas thing at the end and okay um but so many people got butthurt that they didn't Uh, win the award hmm um like hardest working producer and stuff like that so there's only the, yeah the losers of the <laughs> and it's like who gets to decide they the you know i mean that's really like who's deciding what's the criteria yeah. um so when you start doing that yeah it does start causing problems and then so this year it was just stupid funny stuff oh that's cool like you could suggest any any award any award for as long as it wasn't serious oh how fun I don't remember what some of them were. I didn't know any of them I don't care but <laughs> no it's a real community here I mean there's mm. you know just like with any family there's fighting and um, yeah. stuff but really um, I started a Facebook group for the producers here and in like Fort Collins and Colorado Springs like Colorado comedy producers um, because I'm doing I'm building a new Colorado comedy connect.com um, and getting kind of away from the 5280.com because the 5280 is kind of geared towards traveling comedians. Whereas I want something geared more towards the audience.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, so I started the group just to, cause I, I don't, you know, it's their scene too. And just, you know, just so we can all communicate as producers. Um, and there's like a hundred and something of us in there.
0: Ooh, oh, cool. That's
1: just the comedians that produce shows and open mics. Wow. So, um, there's a lot of very hardworking comedians here yeah. that take comedy very seriously as an art form and a business. Um, and it's not just something they're doing to stroke their egos. Right. That is a part of it, odds, but, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, so it's a, it's really like I think it's a I mean cuz like LA and stuff I feel like LA is if you want to be like an actor, if you're a comedian and you want to be an actor or or and stuff like that and then New York too if you want to get, you know, if you want to be an actor in a different kind of realm or get on late night or SNL and stuff or be a writer, there's a lot of writers in New York. But if you just love stand up and you want to do stand-up. Denver is the place to be. Mm. Um, yeah I know several people that support themselves, well, they were supporting themselves primarily from comedy, um, and they don't travel just from around here. So yeah, it's a great, great place if, and, and all I really do is stand up. It's all my major aspirations are. I, I've kind of got an outline for a screenplay. For a short film, that if I did film it, it'd be something that I did with my friends on my iPhone. You know what I mean? And that nothing serious. Um, but there's just a lot of talent here. There's a lot of talent, and people are moving here from LA and New
0: York. Um, well, it's, a lot. it's unaffordable. Like you can't. It's that's what we faced. We we moved back to Ohio only because it was like, okay, we're pregnant. or I was pregnant, and it was like we live in this like tiny bachelor studio apartment with no kitchen and no like you know we're in van nuys which is a growing I, I think van nuys is going to be like a really nice community in a couple of years like it was already you know nicer restaurants were starting to get built but it wasn't there yet like when we were living there it was still kind of you know like a little bit ghettoish in some of the areas and so yeah, it's too expensive to i
1: I wouldn't, really, I wouldn't want to be here with a family. It's very expensive here. That's. I lived here before comedy, and the reason I moved back is because I couldn't afford to live here with my kids and my dogs and have that, a house and the space I needed. Yeah. So I moved back. But, um, I mean, it's really easy to do if you're all by yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. But you'll have roommates and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – I love Denver outside of comedy, and then – I love Denver comedy so much. I always have since I started comedy, um, wanted to be here. So I, I, I say I had a long distance relationship with Denver comedy. And this is like, I just feel like Denver's where I'm supposed to be even before comedy. I just, we came to visit here in 2012, me and the kids. And I was like, I knew I didn't want to be in Wichita. I never wanted to be in Wichita. I hate Wichita, uh, nothing to do with the comedy, but just the city and the whole state really. I hate you. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, when I tell people I moved here from Kansas, no one's like, why? Um, <laughs> why, why you here? I told somebody that, uh, I was in a phone interview the other day, and they're like, so why'd you move here from Kansas? I was like, I didn't want to live in Kansas anymore. They're like, that makes sense. Yep, totally, bye, bye. <laughs> I, call I do comedy, you know, until they hire me. That's too <laughs> but yeah, so, it's amazing
0: here i'm very happy right I, you know so my my um my in-laws actually live in uh, longmont
1: oh so yeah
0: we're fairly frequently and uh um i've performed i performed at voodoo comedy club yeah which, which is more of an improv space i think than it is stand-up but yeah. um but uh yeah i don't know i mean i i enjoyed it and it was fun talking to the, the other comedians that were out there and like. It's, it seems like a very thriving community.
1: There's a lot going on up north in Longmont and Fort Collins and Loveland now. There's actually a whole, like, set of comedians up there in no- North Co, as they call it. Um, oh. and, and then there's also, like, a whole another set down in the Springs. Mm. Um, but we're really all one, sort of. Yeah. You know, we all go around. Um, so we all know each other and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a huge community of comedians, but it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Unity of comedians. I like it. It's a good, I feel like it's going to be a really good place to start the nonprofit and get it going.
0: I think, um,
1: so. I think that Denver has a unique thing in that they have an audience. They have that want to see DIY comedy that want to see these shows. Yeah. Um, which is something that I haven't found in a lot of other scenes, mm-hmm. this level anyway, people are like, what club do you work at? And I'm like, I don't, I don't really work at clubs. I, yeah, in breweries and bars and uh, we have shows in, in art galleries and Just everywhere crazy. that we can find them. So
0: I don't know I mean, I like doing clubs, but I also love doing, shows in more unusual spaces like i used to do a show in la that was in a grocery store yeah. and like yeah i used to do gosh i mean I'm trying to think of some of the other more unique theaters and stuff like I don't, I don't know it's just fun doing this and the breweries like there's so many breweries out in colorado so many breweries yeah most of our mics are in breweries
1: seems mm-hmm. like. yeah i um i like I like comedy works. I'm interested in certain clubs, but I really don't have a desire to work in clubs like the Wichita talony bin. Right. Um, but that's just, it's nothing against the club. Their audience is not my audience. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not going to get booked there and it makes sense. I don't want to be booked there. They're, they're not the audience I'm going to entertain with my comedy. So um, yeah, they're just, they're not into my form of art,
0: you know? Yeah. Is that you or me? Sorry. It's you. It is? This? I don't know who that would be. Okay. Oh, it's Facebook. Okay. I'm no, sorry. Sorry about that. I, like, Because I'm like, what is even open? There you go. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I kind of started
1: the festival just to get women together to be able to network. So you do have contacts in other cities. Yeah. Um, because I go on the road alone, mm-hmm. out the great wide open, with not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that that's not that a lot of women are not comfortable doing that.
0: Right, right. Or it, it it's hard going into because like how I ended up at the Voodoo Comedy Club in in Colorado was I just happened to be visiting my in laws and. I just reached out to like the Facebook page and stuff and was like, Hey, will anyone put me up? And the only one who responded was the video comedy club. And they're like, we've got this open mic on this night and check it out. And I was like, okay, great. And then I did. And it was like, um, a very, the guy who, who ran the mic was definitely like putting his friends up first the entire time. And like, it, I got to a certain point where I had like approached him and I was like, okay, I've been here like two hours. <laughs> you know, like I, I came here from Cleveland, like I really want to do some comedy tonight, but I understand this is like the local scene and they take preference, but like, am I going to go up at all? <laughs> and then yeah, like, oh. they, they changed
1: the host. They, um, yeah, that was a whole controversy, but there's a there's a woman hosting it now named Lauren who's really great. Yeah. It's going to be a team of women, but for whatever reason, with all the drama that happened, one of them didn't take it. So, but it wasn't like, yeah, they fired him basically. And it was like, the initial story was he got fired because he's a dude and they want a chick. But there's more to it than that. There always is.
0: I would say, just from an outsider's perspective, I mean, I know many, many guys who host mics who are great at it. I could not say the same for that one. (laughs) (laughs) He was I don't know him as a person. I don't know
1: no, him. I any- super I I never saw him host a mic so I don't know. Yeah. I know that he is unbelievably talented and he's super super funny, but that does not always translate like into being a good host, especially in open mic. Um I'm not a good host in an open mic, but I think open mic hosts need to be nice people. Yeah. Not that he's not a nice person. Right. I don't no. know him. I don't know him that well. I know I know he's, I, I, he's unbelievably talented and he's super mm. funny, but yeah. you have to have like patience to be an open mic host. You have yeah. to be, you know, yeah, it's, there's a lot, like I don't, I'm not a good, I'm not very good at hosting, period, um, yeah. and I'm going to start, I was supposed to start an open mic, um, but I'm gonna have a co-host, this kid Kyle, I'm gonna have mm. a co-host because there's no way I could do a mic all by myself, the whole time um yeah. so I'll pro- it's gonna be an early mic that starts at like five and so mm-hmm. i'm probably gonna do the first half and he can do the second half okay. um, How we're gonna run it but um you just can't be mean to people when they're trying comedy at a mic you know and sometimes open mic i don't know i'm not saying this is how the guy was a video no no but no. some people when they host mics you know that might they dislike that they go up there and they roast them after they and talk shit and i'm like that's
0: nope, not the purpose of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you're not, that's, yeah, everyone's just trying out stuff. I mean, it's different if like the comedian that went up is rude and mean to everybody and, you know, and then the, the host goes up and roasts them. All right, you know, like, that's fine. But like, if someone's just up there trying their best and their jokes are falling flat and they're new at this and they just don't know what they're doing yet or something and then the comedian goes up and roasts them, it's just like, Yeah, there
1: are, because people ask me all the time, um, because I I do the 5280 comedy site, like, which mics are good mics, um, which mics are, so I know which mics are like, they're all good for the most part, but some have real audiences and some don't, some are really good for new people, they're very Mm low-key, and, you know, a small group of comedians it's very supportive, and so... um, yeah, there's different mics for different things, and um, everyone here that runs a mic for the most part takes it pretty seriously. So yeah. that's helpful. There's My, so many mics.
0: Yeah, so going back to what you're saying though, it's important to have that sort of female network. That you know, had I had known you were in, in Denver at the time, I could just reach out to you. I mean, you weren't living there, mm-hmm. then. but you know, it's like different. It's like I could reach out to you now and be like, where do you go? Where should I go? Yeah. You know. And that sort of help. It it saves people a lot of time and and frustration.
1: Yeah, I know I have a, I was booked on a show and the guy, if it's still going to happen or not, it's in Atlanta. Mm. In the early part of May, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. But he's like, yeah, I have a camper and, you know, you can stay in here in the camper with me. And, um... Mm -hmm. You know, so I noticed we had some female Facebook friends in common and I reached out to them and I was like, hey, is this guy a creep? And they're like, no, he's super nice and blah, blah, blah. And people stay in his camper with him all the time. And it's not a problem, I'm like, okay. So, you know, it was it was nice to to have those connections with those people yes.
0: to where I I can verify happy. that like, you're not gonna get murdered in your sleep. <laughs>
1: yeah or that he is legit just asking me to stay in his camper because he lets everyone stay in his camper and he's not offering me to stay in his camper because i'm a woman right you know
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you never know man yeah i don't trust people it's hard to it's hard to because like as a female comedian that does allow people to like they feel like they have access to you or something on a, on a, a different level. And I, I mean, I think just being a woman in general first gives people, especially men, like they yeah. feel like they have access to you and it's like, Oh no, no, you need to stay back just as you would a guy, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> no, you know, like, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there's been so many times where I, I did a show recently where, um, somebody brought me a drink after after my set. And I was like, oh, thank you. I'm not gonna drink this. You know, I'm just holding it. And I was like, thanks. And then they're like, well, are you gonna drink it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I will. Just not right now. And they were like, oh, okay. And I was like, thanks. And then they left it was, it was a guy, he, I don't know why I'm saying they. It was a guy, he left and then he he came back a little bit later, and he's like, I'm so sorry, um, I'm so sorry, you, you probably thought I put something in your drink, but I didn't, and I was like, okay, and he's like, so it's safe for you to drink it, and I'm like, I'm not gonna drink that, man,
1: you know? That's I- when you first asked me if I want to drink. Yeah, right! I don't drink just any alcohol, so you can't just bring me whatever drink, like, just ran. Well, it
0: was it wasn't something yeah I, mean, I try to
1: bring you shots while you're on stage i don't do shots you know um yeah. i don't drink brown liquor so like ask me if i even maybe you don't even drink ask me if i want a drink first yeah then allow really. me to order the drink i want and watch it be made
0: yeah That's and he came I'm, up to me a third time afterwards to be like well there, i'm so sorry there wasn't anything in the drink and i was like Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but like at this point, I I definitely don't trust that there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, but like I I don't I don't want this drink. So weird, and, and those kind of experiences happen a lot. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, ha- knowing like especially if you're in a city that you don't know anybody it's it's especially scary I and mean, it's a scary anytime but if like you're traveling and you're alone and and those kinds of situations happen it's like extra scary yeah so I have some other like female comedians that you could call up and
1: i was telling my friend the other day because i was talking about how i hate men and he was like it's so you'll find a nice guy eventually like to date and i was like it's not just about dating
0: I was, no <laughs> it's just
1: living my life and walking around i've had I've had a guy, I was just pumping gas and he asked me how I was doing and I ignored him and he called me a bitch. I had, um, a guy that I, uh, who bumped into me at the gas station and he called me, uh, like a stupid fucking dyke or something like that. Um, and these little things like that, um, meant being overly aggressive on the road. Um... Mm -hmm. You know, men just weird things like that happen to me at least once a week. There's a man pissing me off somewhere, whether it's online or in person, and I don't even know what it is. It's like, especially like those guys that were like, Is it my face? Like, why do they feel the need to call me a bitch all the time? I don't know. It happens to me a lot, and I'm not even doing anything. I'm just trying to live my freaking life. Yeah. I'm not even engaging with them, and they find a reason to hate me. Yeah. Frequently, I, I upset men a lot unintentionally. And intentionally, yeah. So when I say I hate men, it's not just about dating men. Not about dating. It's just about rarely in the world. Yeah. And when I say I hate men, I say it like I hate people. Like I don't obviously hate every single human in the world, no. but when you gather all the human race together as a whole unit, I hate. Right. Um. So when you gather all the men together in the whole world as a unit, I hate them. Mm-hmm. So I also hate white people. But obviously, I don't hate all white people. Right. But you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Imagine how much I hate a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, white men have to make me, like, they already start out at a deficit. Right. Like, I'm neutral on everybody else, but if it's a white dude, I'm already like, man, I don't like you. No, they, have up, no. they have to get up to neutral even. before <laughs>
0: Oh, it's awful. But it's true. It's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, but then there's the thing. That's that's a joke within and of itself. It's like you've taken a painful situation of like just for whatever reason, constantly invoking white guys to call you bitch for no reason. Yeah. Just, just by being alive, you've somehow caused guess. Yeah. And I didn't I, want to talk to you. Right. And it's like, we could either just like g- cry about it and be like, oh, I hate the world, I hate white guys, whatever, and cry about it, or we can like, you know what, I'm going to get out on stage and just make fun of them because I can't go find that one asshole that was at that gas pump again. Hopefully yeah, I
1: never can goes. think of anything to say in the moment. In the moment.
0: Yeah, I know. That's for me too. I'm just,
1: I'm just shocked, you know? Yeah. i'm I don't think I heard him say, how are you doing or good morning or whatever. I was, it was eight o'clock in the morning. I was trying to get to work. I had to get gas. Mm-hmm. I'm not awake. I don't, I'm not trying to flirt with some at the gas station. I'm not thinking about it. Right. Um, he's just on the other side of the pump. So then after he called me a bitch, he's on the other side of the pump. I had to like, just like, keep fucking my gas. Don't mind me. I'm just here. Okay. Yeah. I just ignored him. Like I continued to not hear him.
0: That's all you can I mean, yeah, that's that's all you can do unless you come up with something. But then I mean and it's the same thing with comedy too, like when you have a heckler, it's like okay, you might come up with something in the moment to say to that person, but rarely does that shut them down. If anything, that offers them an invitation to keep engaging with you. Yeah. No, that's the exact opposite of what you were trying to accomplish. It's like, no, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I whenever possible. Mm-hmm.
1: I ignore people whenever possible. Yeah, uh, my thing is like, I'm not really good at participating in roasts because yeah. I will, first of all, I'll get butter. And second of all, I don't have I have either nice or I have like super mean and it's too far. Yeah. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. And when I get
1: mad in a situation, I lose all sense of self preservation. Yeah. So if I were to have engaged with that guy at the gas pump, I may have gotten in his face like I was going to beat him up, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I was going to do anything. But when I'm so angry, I just forget that he could probably strangle me to death. (laughs) I I don't think about it. I'm just mad. So
0: that's how I am with Roast Bowl, too. I've I've been offered to do Roast before, and I'm like, ah, no, I, I would be horrible at that.
1: Well, people think that like, you're a bitch, you'd love roasting people, but I really yeah. don't want to be
0: mean to people, but they make yeah. me be mean to them. So I, I, went, I went to a show that was a compliment battle, and that I, like, totally won, because I was like, yes, that I can get behind, like, I like being nice to people. We could totally do that. It was a compliment battle, it was fun. They don't do it anymore, though, because they had trouble uh, They had trouble finding audiences for it. And I'm like, God, I hate, I hate like, comedy audiences, too. I'm like, you guys don't want to see people be nice? What's wrong with you? No, they don't want to see people be
1: nice. I know. I know. That's it's why, horrible. like, all my jokes are about dark, sad things, because that's what they want. They don't want to hear jokes about how happy I am and how great my life
0: is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, They don't mm-hmm. care. They don't cheer for that. Mm-mm.
0: They want to hear the dark stuff
1: there's a girl here that has a joke about being like happy and and she says some stuff before it that they do cheer about and then she says talks about being happy and they don't and she's like see you know like yeah no one wants to support you when you're happy i gotta get out of here my dog needs to go okay outside it was really great talking to you um hopefully i'll get to see you in july um are you bringing the husband and the baby?
0: Yeah, probably. We'll turn it into a whole uh, little family family trip. Mm-hmm. See? Family. Oh, yeah, because his
1: parents. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, and yeah. uh, I'll tag you, obviously, whenever I do get this produced and put out. Okay, great. And okay. I may use part of it in Art of Comedy, and I may use part of it in The Lonely Fat Bitch. Okay. So, Especially, okay. Kind of what we were talking about. I'm trying to keep it more focused. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Well, it was great seeing you. Thank you for sharing. You
0: um, oh, I was going to say, too, I'd love to have you on. I'm doing that social distance group to try Thank to keep you. people through, going through this. So I'd love to have you on that sometimes, too. And we can just yeah. have another
1: conversation there. Whenever, yeah. Just let me know. I'm After this week, I'm pretty. I am going back to Kansas on Sunday to stay for okay. a little while because I'm going nuts by myself. Yeah. Um, but it's not like I can't do this there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, anytime. Yeah, hit me up. Let me know when you want to guess, when you want me to do it. And yeah, awesome. figure it out. Well, so, thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good Talk. night. Bye. Bye.